Luke chapter 16, verse 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things, and likewise Lazarus' evil things, but now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they, would, they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thee would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham. But if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded the one rose from the dead. I know this is a strange text for an Easter Sunday, but this is what I feel to preach today. And I'm going to preach on this thought, comfortably lost, miserably saved. Amen. Comfortably lost and miserably saved. And everybody shout amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank God. I know that uh, we are uh, today recognizing and celebrating uh, what is known as Easter. <clears throat> and it is the day that we celebrate, or maybe I should say the religious world celebrates the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. The reality is we celebrate it every time we come together. Amen. Every time we come together, we celebrate it. And of course, all of us, I'm sure, understand that there were events that preceded his resurrection that makes very clear uh, the fact to us that there was a great price that was paid for our salvation. I believe today that the beauty of the resurrection of Jesus Christ should never obscure the brutal horror of the cross and the sufferings that Jesus suffered for our sins. Amen. His death, his burial, and his resurrection are all about our salvation. Amen. We rejoice in the resurrection today because it validates the cross of Calvary. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. And then in verse 17, same chapter, he said, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain and you are yet in your sins. So it was absolutely necessary 
that Jesus Christ rise from the dead so that our faith in his death and his burial could be established. Amen. That we could be certain that it is a reality to us. So the one thing that I believe all of us need to remember is that everything about the coming of Jesus Christ is about salvation. His coming to this earth, his being born, him being brought into this world. In fact, Matthew 1 and 21, the angel says to Joseph, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. It was established before he was ever born. The very purpose of his coming to this earth was to save people from their sins. Let let me remind you that that scripture does not say that he will save us in our sins, but he will save us from our sins. It's the will of God to deliver you from your sins. It's the will of God to bring you out of the, of the sentence of sin and death upon your life. You need salvation. You need the Holy Ghost. You need him to make the difference in your life. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 1. He said, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you. So what Paul is saying is I preached a gospel to you. And he said you received that gospel and you are standing in that gospel and it is by that gospel that you are saved if you keep in memory the things that I have preached unto you. And then he proceeds to tell them what he preached to them. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Amen. You know what Paul is saying? He is saying that the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a historical fact. It really did happen. It really did take place. He did die on the cross. He was buried in a grave for three days. But then he arose triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah. So Paul is making it very clear that the, that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is a historical fact. But he's also taking it one step further. And he is saying it is upon this historical fact, this real event that took place, that we have the premise of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if somebody wants to ask you the question, what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Here's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Death, burial, and resurrection. If you want to know what the gospel is, it's death, it's burial, it's resurrection.
Hallelujah. He died on the cross. He was buried in the grave and he resurrected the third day. Somebody said, well, what does that mean to us? What it means to us is that Jesus serves as an example. And when you read Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, you're going to find death, burial, resurrection. Then Peter said unto them, repent, that's death, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That's burial. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the resurrection. Hallelujah. Is anybody happy today that you know the gospel and that you've experienced the gospel, that you've been, you died to your sins, you've been buried in Jesus' name, and you've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost? Somebody clap your hands and give him some praise right now. Amen. Now, I want to make a statement here and I want to be as kind and I want to be as gentle as I know how. And that statement is simply this. Everybody is not going to be saved. Hallelujah. Whoa, that went over like a flock of dogs. Amen. Everybody is not going to be saved. Because when you take the position that no one is going to be lost then you are completely ignoring the truth of the word of God. Now you gotta understand, I am not standing here this morning condemning anybody to hell because I am not their judge. Only God is the judge. And only God will determine a person's eternal destiny. But let me present to you a few scriptures that verify exactly what I have just said. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, but as the days of Noah were, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. He then went on in verse 40 and said, Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken and the other one left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what hour or what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Listen to what Jesus then said. Therefore, be ye also ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. So what Jesus did is reach back to Noah's time and he drew a picture of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And then when you get to verse 44, he makes the statement, therefore be ye also ready. Amen. Why was Noah saved and his family in the ark? It's because Noah was ready. Read the story of Noah. He found grace in the eyes of God. Oh, hallelujah. 
I want you to understand that the overwhelming message of those in the field and those that were grinding at the meal is one was taken, the other one was left. Why was one taken and the other one left? Because one was ready. I said one was ready. Amen. You have to understand that this is not God discriminating against people because God does not discriminate against anyone. He said, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. Doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your social status is. It doesn't matter what your economic status is. It doesn't matter what your age is. Whosoever will, let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. I'm going to tell you why some are going to be saved and some are going to be lost. There's some that's going to get ready. I said some are going to get ready. Hallelujah. Can I tell you, being ready is your responsibility. Being ready is my responsibility. Don't play games with your soul. Don't play games with your eternity. Don't play games with heaven or hell. Make up your mind today. I'm getting ready. Hallelujah. I know it's not a popular message in 2022, but Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And it won't be long before he returns to earth. Someone said, but I've been in church 50 years and I've been hearing that all of my life and I've not yet seen him. He's still coming. I said, he's still coming. And if you're going to get ready, you got to get ready now. You can't get ready after you're dead. You can't get ready after he comes back. You got to get ready before he gets here. Hallelujah. Jesus wasn't discriminating between the two at the mill or the two that were in the bed or the two that were in the house. It was the fact that it was based on their readiness because being ready is our responsibility. You can continue in that same chapter. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Amen. What God's looking for is people when he comes back that are doing the will of God. They are doing the word of God. Amen. When he comes, he's looking for folks that are doing right, that are living right, that are walking right, that are talking right. Wow, hallelujah. It's still true. Amen. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delays his coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. And the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looks not for him. And in an hour that he is not aware of and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm telling you that what God's looking for are people that are living, amen, as if he comes in the next five minutes. 
They're living as if he is coming. We don't know when he's coming. He said, this servant here said, my Lord delays his coming. And he decides I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to live the way I want to live. But there's got to be people that when Jesus comes, that he finds them so doing. Doing the will of God. Doing what is right in the eyes of God. That's what God's looking for today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We could get into chapter 25 of Matthew where Jesus gave us the parable of the ten virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. Amen. The the, the wise took oil in their lamps and the foolish did not take oil in their lamps. And when the bridegroom came, the five that had the oil, they went in. And the five that had no oil, they were shut out. What was the difference in the two numbers of five? Five got ready. Five had the oil. Five had what was necessary. Five. Hallelujah. Friend, you need to hear this preacher today. There's only two places that you're going to live in eternity. You're going to be living in heaven or you're going to be in hell. And you've got to make up your mind which place you're going to go to. And then get ready. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Somebody said, somebody said, but you know, Preacher, I believe God's a God of love and he's not going to send anybody to hell. You're exactly right. He will not send anyone to hell because he's a God of love. If you go, it'll be because you didn't get ready and you sent yourself to hell. You are living your judgment right now. How you live now is your judgment before God. Amen. I, I could go on. We could, we could deal further uh, in, in chapter 25 about when he comes back. He talks about how that when he returns that the sheep are going to be put on his right and the goats are going to be put on his left. And so there's a division here. There's a separation. There are those that have become his sheep. They're a part of his fold. And there are those who are the goats. Amen. I don't want to be an old goat. I said, I don't want to be an old goat. I want to be one of his sheep. I want to be one that's ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Somebody shout amen. There's a lot of other examples I could give you in scripture where this fact is absolutely clearly conveyed and established that everybody is not going to be saved. But let's look at our scripture text. I read to you from the book of Luke chapter 16. And it is the text concerning uh, the rich man and Lazarus. Whenever you read this text, it says uh, that there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared uh, sumptuously every day. So let's talk about this rich man. He's a man uh, who has all that heart could desire. He was rich. And because he was rich, his riches afforded him a very comfortable lifestyle. He wore the finest of clothing. He never worried about where his next meal was coming from. He ate the finest, and he ate even to his heart's content. 
Yet we notice that in the end, this rich man was lost. The Bible said in hell, he lifted up his eyes. But you have to understand that it was too late then. He lifted up his eyes in hell. That's not the time to lift up your eyes. The time to lift up your eyes is right now. Oh, hallelujah. The time to quit looking horizontal all the time at everything that you might have or everything around you. Amen. That's not, right now's the time to lift up your eyes and seek after God and ask God to help you. Ask God to save you. Ask God to make a difference in your life. Amen. In hell is where he lifted up his eyes. But the truth is, it's too late when you're in hell to lift up your eyes. But here's a man, this rich man, who was comfortable in his lifestyle. He was comfortable in his clothing of purple and fine linen. He was comfortable at his dinner table. He was comfortable with all of his possessions. His problem is he was comfortably lost. Amen. I said he was comfortably lost. Now we have the contrast in that same scripture of a man by the name of Lazarus. Luke 16 and 20 said that there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So here we have a man by the name of Lazarus who was a beggar. And to be in the state of a beggar meant that he was without. He was without a home. He was without food. He was without a job. He was even without the proper clothing to ward off the chill of that Middle Eastern cool nights that he lived in. His misery was compounded by the fact that he was full of sores. Some malady had overtaken his body that produced sores that I'm sure were very painful. In fact, he was daily reminded about how miserable he really was and how miserable his life was. He was miserable because he was hungry. He was miserable because he had no way of fending for himself. He was miserable because the only attention given to his physical condition was the licking of the sores by the dogs. He was miserable because his clothing was tattered and torn, but the Bible lets us know he was saved. He may have been miserable in his life, and so we could call this man miserably saved. Now, most folks, when they read this story, they get this story all wrong. Amen. They don't really understand what this story is trying to convey to us. When they read about this story, they get it wrong as to why one man was lost and one man was saved. Can I tell you that the rich man was not lost because he was rich? Oh, hallelujah. He was not lost because he fared sumptuously. He was not lost because he wore the finest of clothing. He was not lost because he had all that his heart could desire. He was not even lost because he was comfortable in life. 
And by the same token, I can tell you that Lazarus was not saved because he was poor. He was not saved because the dogs licked his sores. He was not saved because he had to beg for crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. He was not saved because he was miserable. Lazarus was saved and the rich man was lost because Lazarus did something that the rich man didn't do. In his state of life, he made sure of one thing, that his heart was right with God. Woo! Come on, I feel the, I feel the good touch of the Holy Ghost in this house. Hallelujah. He was saved because he made sure that he was ready. He didn't know when he was going to die, but he was going to be ready when he died. He was miserable every day of his life, but he had his heart right with God. His external life was in shambles, and it was a, it was a, a mess, if you please. But his heart was where it needed to be with God. That's why when you read this story, you read that when he died, he was carried away in Abraham's bosom. He didn't die because God felt sorry for him. He, he didn't go to Abraham's bosom because God felt sorry for him and had compassion on him. He went to Abraham's bosom because he had his heart right. His spirit was right. Amen. He made sure he was ready. The problem with the rich man is he was so comfortable in his state of life that he never took the time to get ready and get right with God. Everything was good where life was concerned and so he didn't need God. That's one reason why when you read Revelation chapter three and we hear the story, we hear these statements that God made about the church of the Laodiceans. He said, because you say that you are rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing. I wanna tell you, God didn't have a problem with Laodicea because they were rich and increased with goods. God's problem with Laodicea is that they said, I'm rich and I'm increased with goods and I have need of nothing. I'm going to tell you, friend, it doesn't matter how much God gives to you. It doesn't matter how many blessings come your way. When you walk through that door, you got to walk back to that door saying, God, I still need you. I got to have you. I got to have your touch. I got to have your help. I gotta have your blessings. You gotta make a difference in my life. Come on, church. Amen. The scripture lets us know that money's not the problem. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Oh, hallelujah. God may bless you. You may come to God and not have two nickels to rub together. And in three years, you may be owning a business and making more money than you've ever dreamed you would make. But you got to remember where you came from. And you got to remember that no matter the blessings of God in your life, you still got to have him. You still got to have his blessings. You still got to have God making a difference in your life. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter where you are in life, you gotta have God. If you got nothing, you gotta have God. If you got everything, you gotta have God. 
Somebody shout amen. 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 Here's that, that rich man who is crying out, amen, for, for just Lazarus to just dip his finger in water and touch the tip of my, my tongue because I'm so thirsty. And listen, here's what Abraham said. Son, remember that you in your lifetime, you received good things. And I'm going to put a little parentheses right here. And I'm going to say, but you didn't do anything about the state of your soul. Amen. And Lazarus, amen, he had evil things. But my parenthetical statement here is, but he made sure his heart was right with God. He said, but now Lazarus is comforted and you are tormented. I want to tell you, friend, that it is not your state of life that determines your eternal destiny. Listen carefully now because I'm preaching what I feel in the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody shout praise the Lord. Amen. It's not your state of life that determines your eternal destiny. It is possible that everything about your life can be right and one thing be wrong and you be lost. Amen. Everything can be right about your life and only one thing be wrong, your salvation. You could have everything you want this morning. You could have, your life could be going along very good. You may not have the trouble that other people are having. Your world may be just clicking on all eight cylinders. You're running on all eight cylinders and there's no problems. You got a good home. You got a good marriage. You've got good life. You've got good income. You've got possessions. You've got all sorts of things, but your heart's not right with God. And the one thing that is wrong can be the one thing that causes you to miss out on the glory world. Amen. And I'm going to tell you what I think Jesus is really saying here. He's saying, you know, everything can be wrong in your life and just one thing be right. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about ungodliness. I'm just talking about life. I'm talking about your marriage on the rocks. I'm talking about uh, uh, struggling to keep a job. I'm talking about barely making it from one paycheck to the next. Everything in your life could be wrong. You could be miserable in life this morning, but you could be miserably saved. Come on. You might be comfortable today, but you need to be comfortably saved. I can tell you that much. Whatever you do, don't be comfortably lost. Oh, glory to God. Amen. You might be saying, I'm miserable. I'm miserable in my, my world's upside down. It's been shattered into a million pieces. I don't even know, amen, how am I ever going to survive next week in life. And what I'm going to tell you, friend, you hear this preacher, I'd rather be miserable. I'd rather have to fight every single day of my life. I'd rather have to deal with multiple problems and struggles and, and be saved. Come on. I'd rather be miserably saved than comfortably lost. I'd rather have to fight every step of the way. I'd rather have to climb every mountain. Oh, glory to God. I'd rather have to face all kinds of problems and still have the Holy Ghost. 
Hallelujah. You know what you need to learn how to do? Amen. Live in such a way you can shake your fist in the devil's face and say, my marriage is messed up. My world's messed up. I'm struggling to even survive, but I got the Holy Ghost. I got the Holy Ghost. I've got what I need to be saved. I've got what I need to be able to survive. Come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Amen. He said, but preacher, amen, you obviously don't, you never been there, you don't know what it's like. Yeah, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to have to deal with all kinds of miserable things in life. I know what it's like to be on the bottom. In fact, I know what it's like to have to reach up and touch the bottom. I know what it's like to be on the verge of bankruptcy. Come on, church. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to lose an 18-year-old grandson in an automobile accident. I know what it's like for the doctor to look at you and say, you've got an, you've got an incurable form of cancer. Not only do we not know the cause of it, but we don't have a cure for it. I know what it's like to be spinning out of control emotionally and wondering what's going to happen to my family, the church I pastor, and on and on and on. I know what trouble is. I know what struggle is. I'm here today to tell you I'm still here because I made my mind up. I'd rather be miserable and be saved. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be here today and you may be homeless. Let me tell you, Lazarus was homeless, but he was saved. Hallelujah. But preacher, you don't understand. I got a terrible disease. Lazarus had a terrible disease, but he was still saved. But I don't know where my next meal's going to come from. But Lazarus didn't know where his next meal was come from. He had to beg to eat, but he was saved. He told him Hallelujah. I want to tell you why Jesus came out of the grave so you could be saved. You, you ain't never suffered like Jesus suffered. I said, you never suffered like Jesus suffered. As a matter of fact, for those that say it's too hard to live for God, let me tell you this, by the word of God, that you have never had to resist the things that Jesus Christ had to resist. And you have never... Oh, help me, Jesus. I got to be careful right now. Somebody say, praise the Lord. I, I don't want to get on a soapbox here today, but Jesus told us that one of the signs of the end time is that many will be offended. Huh? Many will be offended. Do you know that we're living in that generation right now where everybody is offended? Huh? Amen. I said, everybody's offended. They're offended at something or somebody. You got to be careful today. You can't even get in the pulpit sometime and preach and be plain because people get offended at what you're preaching. They get offended at what you're saying. Come on now. I'm going to preach what I feel in the Holy Ghost right now. 
Amen, amen. There's all kinds of offenses going on. Well, she didn't speak to me or he didn't shake my hand or, or they looked at me in a certain way. Hey, friend, grow you some thick skin and make up your mind. I'm living for Jesus Christ. I'm living for Jesus Christ. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they do. I'm living for Jesus. I'm going to be what Jesus. Well, hallelujah. Come on now. Well, somebody shout praise the Lord. The past two years has created such a spirit of fear that everybody gets offended at the least little thing. Oh, hallelujah. Well, they weren't wearing a mask. So what? If masks work, wear one. But don't make me do what you feel like you got to do. Well, I offended some right then and there. Amen. But I'm telling you the truth. That's the world we live in. Jesus already prophesied it. He already told us. And we live in such a thin-skinned society. We can't even laugh at each other anymore. We can't even. There's some jokes you can't even tell anymore. And if you don't like the word joke, then I'll change it. There's some funny stories that you can't even tell anymore. Because everybody's getting offended at everything. Amen. I want to tell you, friend, I learned a long time ago, if you're going to make it in this walk with God, you got to grow you some thick skin and, and decide that nobody's going to. Let me just make it, let me make it very clear to you. I decided a long time ago, nobody's worth going to hell for. I said there ain't nobody worth going to hell for. Woo. Come on. Come on, I made my mind up a long time ago. You're not stealing my joy. You're not stealing my happiness. You're not gonna steal. Amen. Now listen, at the end of this story, and I'm, I'm gonna wrap this thing up, all right? Hallelujah, because I'm getting hungry too. <laughs> Hallelujah. At the end of the story, Jesus makes it very clear that provision has been made for anyone who wants to get ready. He has provided the golden opportunity for you if you want to be ready. Because this rich man, when he heard, there's a great gulf between us and you. When Abraham told him, there's a great gulf between us and you. And Lazarus can't go down there to where you are, and you can't come up here to where Lazarus is. So then the rich man said, okay, if that's the case, then what, would you do something for me? Would you send him to my father's house? I have five brethren that he might testify unto them, lest they come to this place of torment. There's people today that if they could testify to you, they'd tell you, you better get ready. You don't want to go where I'm at. Huh? You don't want to get in the place I'm in right now. Whatever you do, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get 
Do you know why that the rich man said, go to my father's house? It's because he understood he had five brothers that were not ready. He had five brothers that were not prepared. He understood. He knew this family. He knew. He could have said, I got five, but two of them I happen to know are living right, but three of them are devils. Go, go testify to him. He could have said that. The reason he knew he had five that, didn't, that needed somebody to testify to him is because he had five brothers that weren't ready. He said, so send Lazarus. And Abraham said, he's got Moses. They have Moses. And they have the prophets. Let them hear them. <laughs> In other words, they already got a preacher. They got Moses and they got the prophets. They already have preachers. And the rich man said, no, Father Abraham, you got to understand. If one went from the dead, they'll repent. <laughs> Abraham said, no. If they fear not Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even though one rose from the dead. Amen. Even if one came back from the dead, they still wouldn't be persuaded if they're not listening to the preachers I've already sent to them. Oh, praise the Lord. God has already made provision for you. Uh, and, and let me just go back real briefly here to what I said earlier about Jesus' death, his burial, back to his suffering, the stripes that were put upon his back, the crown of thorns on his head, being nailed to a cross. Don't you understand that Jesus has done the hard part? Come on. He did the hard part for you. He did the dying. Something you couldn't do for yourself. Something you could not do. He did the hard part. It's time for you to do the easy part. The hard part was dying. The easy part's living. The hard part was dying for your sins. The easy part is living for God. Living for God is not hard. Huh? You say, can you give me scripture? Well, I can tell you what the Bible talks about. It said that, that uh, the, the way of the transgressor is hard. Huh? It's not the way of the obedient that's hard. It's the way of the transgressor that's hard. That's what your Bible tells you. And so living for God is not hard. It's easy. Amen. If I were, if I were this morning to, to give an invitation, if I were to give an invitation to everybody here, and I said, next Friday night, we're going to have a big banquet. And everybody that comes to that banquet, I'm going to give every one of you a million dollars each. The only key is all the men have got to have tuxedos with patent leather shoes. Amen. They got to have a clean bath. They got to be well dressed. All the ladies got to come in formal attire. 
Amen. I'm going to tell you right now, there ain't a person in this house that wouldn't show up to get your reward. And it wouldn't matter what you had to do to get that tux. It wouldn't matter what you had to do to get that formal dress. I'm going to that banquet because I'm getting a million dollars when I'm there. I'm telling you what I, I I'm just telling you, I don't think there'd be one of you that wouldn't show up. Well, I ain't going to get dressed up for no million dollars. You will if your wife says. Huh? <laughs> you say, well, that, that's, let me tell you what heaven is about. It's a place where there's no sorrow, no sickness, no tears, no death. Huh? It's a place the word of God tells us that the street is paved with gold. Forget the million dollars, friend. I can't wait to get to the glory world. And I'm going to tell you now, whatever it takes to get ready, I'm going to get ready. Whatever I got to do to get ready, I'm going to get ready. Let's stand. Amen. Here's the key to getting ready. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in water, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. All you got to do is obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Death, burial, resurrection. The question is, and when we read that story, you have to understand that there's going to be a lot of people in our world who are going to be comfortably lost. They're going to be comfortably lost. There's a lot of folks that's going to be miserably saved. And the reason that there's going to be a distinct difference in the two is because one got ready and the other one didn't. Getting ready is your responsibility. I know some of y'all would think that my wife and I were, were too tough on our children growing up. But when they started going to school, we gave every one of our children an alarm clock. Put it beside their bed. We told our children, at this certain time, your mama's going to have breakfast ready. And at this certain time, the car's leaving to take you to school. It's your job to get up. Set your alarm. You know how long it's going to take you to get ready. Get dressed. Get your hair combed. Get your clothes on. Get your books together. You know how long it's going to take you to do it. And if you want breakfast, it'll be ready at this time. And if you want to get a ride to school, the vehicle's leaving at this time. Somebody said, man, I couldn't believe you did that to your children. We did it. And my wife never once had to go back and bang on their door or shake their bed or throw cold water in their face because they knew we meant it. Huh? They knew, they knew their job was to get up and get ready because if they didn't, they're going to get left behind. And if you don't want to be left behind when Jesus comes, 
Amen. I've heard some parents say, I can't get my kids up in the morning. Lord have mercy, it's a job. Shake them. I go in there a half a dozen times. Yeah? Let me just tell you something. That's how preachers feel. I've preached to them a half a dozen times and I still can't get them to, to wake up. I can't get them to wake up. I can't get them to get up from where they are and realize that if they don't get ready, Jesus is going to come and they're going to get left behind. I'm going to tell you something, friend. We're doing our job. We're going to tell you what it takes to be saved. Your pastor, this preacher, amen, we are going to do our job. We're going to tell you what it takes. We're not going to play games with you. We're not going to play games with your soul. We're not going to tell you that all you got to do is make a confession and everything will be all right. No, we're going to tell you, you got to die. You got to die to your old life. You got to be buried. You got to go down in water in Jesus' name and get those sins washed away. And you got to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You got to have oil in your lamp. You got to get ready. And I know it's Easter Sunday, and I know we've got a big thing planned this afternoon, but we don't have too many plans that we don't have time for you to make it right with God. You may be in this house today, and you may be comfortable with where you are in life, and you may feel like you don't need anything. But this preacher has preached to you today, you need Jesus. Because everything in your life could be right except one thing, and you'd be lost. That's why Jesus looked at the man one day and said, one thing you lack, just one thing you lack. And yet you could be here today and you could be so miserable in life that you're thinking, even if I get the Holy Ghost, my life is not going to change much. Well, I'd rather, I'd rather know that life continued to give you misery, but Jesus could give you peace. You can leave here this morning with one thing right. You can walk out of this house knowing that you're going back to a troubled home, going back to problems, going back to chaos in life, but you can go back with one thing right. And that is you got your heart right with God. This altar's open here this morning. I know we don't have much room, but this altar's open. And if you need God here today, if you need the presence of God in this house, if you need the touch of God, if you need to be saved, it's a good time to come and get the Holy Ghost. It's a good time here this morning for you to get ready. Get ready because Jesus is coming. Get ready because Jesus is going. Jesus is coming back. And while they're singing here today, I know, we, again, I don't, we don't have much room. But you know what? I don't normally do this. I don't normally do this, but I'm going to do this this morning. I'm going to do it because I know that it's Easter, and I know some people are hesitant. But I want you to bow your heads. Everybody in the house, nobody looking but me and Pastor. It's just me and Pastor Moats. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. If you're in this house today and you know that you need more than what you have and you're not happy where you are, 
and you want us to pray for you. I'm not talking so much praying right now, but you want us to take you into our daily prayer and pray for you and your family, your situation. Would you raise your hand right now? Would you raise your hand if you're here? Amen. There's hands going up all over this house. There's hands going up all over this house. Come on, church. There's people with great needs here today, but Jesus can make the difference. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you need the Holy Ghost, you want the Holy Ghost, and you want to come to this altar, these altars are open right now. We're ready to pray with you. We're ready to lay hands on you according to the Word of God. And we're ready for God to make the difference in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, would you help us today? All over this house, would you lift your voice in prayer? If there's somebody close to you that you know is struggling and that needs something, would you reach over and touch them? Would you pray for somebody close to you right now? In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, let's pray for somebody. Pray for somebody close to you right now. Pray for your brother. Pray for your sister. Pray for your parents. Pray for your children. Come on, Dad. Come on, Mom. Pray for your children. Every one of us have got to get ready. We've got to get ready. We've got to get ready. It matters not where you are. You've got to get ready. It matters not what your state of life is. You've got to get ready. Oh, God, we need the help of your spirit.